Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Here I am again. You can't get rid of me. Yeah, fresh off a Trader Joe's run, are you? (laughs) Yeah, fresh off the gym, actually. If you want to know the truth, fresh off the gym and then Trader Joe's, then run home, make a quick smoothie, and here I am. Very good. Very good. What'd you do at the gym? Um, I did an hour on the bike and then I did a 10 minutes, um, or I guess it's more like 15 minutes, um, a ball-in routine, the ball-in circuit from Many Happy Miles in August. Mm. We're using the Swiss ball for um, some strength. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun to bounce around and be a little wobbly, you know? <laughs> and when you do the bike at the gym, what type of bike do you typically use? Um, I use, uh, we've talked about it before, I use like the the Senior Virgin. I mean, I don't I do not do the recumbent bike, but mm-hmm. I use the very upright, very generous oh. seats. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like it because uh, it has a nice um, pedestal to put my phone up. And that's, that's when I get some good, um, good, get, get some good Netflix watching done, get an hour, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's my lure. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I use. But I put it on, you know, different programs. I'll do random or I'll yeah. do, the, um, you know, whatever. I'll make up little, you know, every mile I change it or every five minutes I change it or whatever. You, know, you don't you don't have to make apologies, Dimity, because you had a major, major workout on Saturday. You hiked a 14er on a date I with did. your hubby. Yes. I know. I know. We actually had a nice little Colorado morning. Um, yeah, we did. We well, we've been talking about going hiking, um, you know, for a while. And it's one of those things where, you know, like you live in this awesome place and then you don't take advantage of anything um, <laughs> in this awesome place because of life, you know? So, uh-huh. um, so the stars aligned and yeah, we did, it was called, it's called Mount Quandry. It's right uh-huh. outside of Breckenridge. Um, and yeah, we climbed, uh, it was like seven miles round trip. I don't mm-hmm. know how many feet it was. I, I should have looked that up, but I mean, we got to four, I know we got to 14,200 and I think 30 feet, which is, I, mm-hmm. I learned as I was walking around Breckenridge, cause there was a shirt that says I climbed Mount Quandry. <laughs> <laughs> exact <laughs> elevation on it. So I was like, okay, that's where we went. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it was just a good, you know, it's kind of like Colorado's Disneyland. I mean, especially the, I mean, no, the, the, it's funny because when, um, when you're walking up at the, at the at the bottom of the trailhead, it says no 14er is easy. Like that's the first mm. rule that they put up. Oh, that sounds like a dimity rule if ever I heard one. I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> I like that. I like that. But there are easier ones in that like yeah. the round trip up and back is not as long as other ones and it's not as technical. Um, right. Quandry falls into that um, category. It's one of the easier ones. and mm-hmm. um, And so it was like, Colorado's Disneyland. I mean, Sarah, I am not kidding you. Like if I ever wanted to like, you know, kind of put myself on Everest, quote unquote, like this was the place to do it. Cause I mean, literally like you look up and there's just people in front of you. And I was like, oh my gosh, if we were at, you know, 26,000 feet and trying to, you know, get to the summit and oxygen deprivation and all that. I mean, cause you also, you also said there were children up there. There were, oh my God, I mean, kids, so many kids and so many dogs. Oh, so boy. Many oh boy. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Augie's yes. not up for that challenge. Yeah. No, oh my gosh. But Sarah, there was a Chihuahua. No. Uh, yes. At the top named Yoda. There was a Corgi named Milo. Um, I took a picture of the Corgi so I could send it to, to um, Adrian. Adrian. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it, there are some very hardy dogs that made it up. No problem. Well, but also the Chihuahua, you know, could just easily be slipped into a backpack or well, yeah, they, you know, a little carrier. Yes, she she was carrying him a little bit. Augie, I know, is a little bit more of a a, a sack of potatoes. He's not easily carried. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> or a corgi or most of the dogs that were going up and down. I mean, there was a lot of um, scree, you know, which is mm-hmm. like, the, like the, um, you know, loose rock. Rocks. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And so I did feel bad for the dogs just because their paws, I mean, that's gotta mm-hmm. be rough on that. I mean, yeah. there was a lot more scree than I've seen on other mountains. Um, oh. hmm. So, but anyway, I mean, but it was fun. I mean, it was really, it was just one of those mornings, but you know, you got to the top and I was like, oh, that's just, it just feels so, I just love the air so much. It's so mm. cool and crisp and clean. And you just feel like, you know, it just feels like uh, you're on top of the world. Like, yeah. A little bit like a rebirth, a little, like just, it just feels like you could do anything. Right. And that just, that's a lovely feeling. So. Oh, nice. And you got a darling picture with you and Grant. Yes. Yes. Well, and the story behind that is that, um, so I, so I guess the thing is to bring a sign, right. That says like <laughs> Mount Quandry, whatever, you know, August have a date on it and then put the elevation and, uh, because I saw someone else. So, so we, once we got to the top, we kind of plopped down next to these two kind of probably 20 something girls that literally, I mean, they were very, um, they're very nice and very cute, but the number of pictures they took, <laughs> <laughs> you made me realize that we are not very like good with our social media because you know you take 60 pictures to get that good one right uh-huh, uh-huh. um so they were there and then there was this other guy who was probably i mean i'm so bad at ages but i would say you know maybe late 20s early 30s um and he was waiting for his brother mm. so they were talking and so the guy took a picture of the two girls with their sign and then the brother came up and so then the 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 brother, the one that was already up, asked if um, he could borrow the sign, mm-hmm. and um, and so they they took a picture, and then I was like, "Hey, can I borrow the sign?" <laughs> like, I, like almost, you know, total midlife woman. Like, "Hey, can me and my um, husband, both gray haired, borrow the sign?" So um, they're like, "Oh, sure," you know. <laughs> as so, long as you get out of our flirting circle afterwards, sure, know, you exactly, can do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was so funny because the guy was like, oh, yeah, I heard that Empire Burger is the place to get a burger after you go down. And oh, gosh. Great. And so we went and got burgers. I'm like, let's not go to Empire Burger. <laughs> like, we're like on their date, you know? So, uh, so we went somewhere else. I can't remember what we called. But, um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Super fun. But yeah, it was good. And I it makes me realize how much I need to continue to do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, I mean, we got up at 530, you know, it was a little bit of a pain to, to get out there. But once you do, it's just so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, very fun. Very fun. Um, well, my, oh, my, my most exciting thing is that, uh, so today as we record, this is August 7th and I've, um, just the way that things have lined up, I've gone running six of the seven days this month. And on five of those six runs, I have found at least a dime. So it's raining dimes here. (laughs) In Portland. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but I like that it's always a dime. Like it just feels, and I love dimes. I love holding a handful of dimes. So anyway. What is it um, about dimes that you love? I just love the size, the weight. Um, Alex is smiling at me like you're such a nut. Uh, I like nickels. <laughs> oh, that's a, it's yeah. very rare to find nickels, Alex. I, nickels, I think because um, nickels Nobody- make... My theory is uh, um, they make a lot of noise when they hit the ground. So mm. it alerts people that they've dropped money. Whereas oh, a dime no. doesn't make... Yeah, I've obviously thought about this. Uh- <laughs> my, uh, my, my thing would be, I feel like nickels are even going out of... I know pennies are out of vogue. 
Vogue. And now I feel like nickels are even, you know, not as not as valuable as they used to be. Yeah, I don't. Well, I, I like that they have the new, you know, um, Thomas Jefferson kind of off center, you know, they've so they've updated the look of it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it makes it for like, oh, it's a new nickel. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the coin? Um, like, I know, like a bibliophile, someone who loves books. And you know, um, like, what's oh, the sure. Coin? I think, Sarah, oh. you're bordering on the verge of being that. Oh, I could be. Yeah, I know the term for somebody who collects stamps. That's a philatelist. Um, I don't know. Maybe Alex could, while while we're talking, he could look up um, the term for someone who collects coins. Because my brother collected coins. He was a coin collector as a, a child, a young man. Um, I've always yeah. liked the ones where um, we got it from the post office. You know, you got the cardboard thing that you put all 50 states in it you tried to all the coins the, uh, the nickels mm -hmm. yeah I quarters yeah quarters, uh, what is it alex numismatics numismatics the study or collection of currency including coins mm -hmm. all right uh, new numismatics a little numismatists numismatists oh yeah yeah all right sarah numismatists stay all right we got it we got it. i knew a numismatist once from hawaii where there's a lot because coins go there and they don't leave so there's a lot of old coins in Hawaii. Well, that's where old coins go to die. They oh, go yeah, to retire. They, once they're over there, they're, they, they usually stay there. <laughs> oh, so, my God. Good place to collect coins. <laughs> good, to, good to know. I think uh, maybe I need to, you know, go on a business trip to Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, we're, we're switching from a light, frivolous topic like me finding coins to um, a more serious, um, kind of um, incredibly large topic. It's running and depression and anxiety. And we definitely don't want to pretend that we can cover all aspects of that topic. So instead, we're going to be focusing on talking to three women who share their journeys in a public online space called Still I Run. And I'm sure, Dimity, that uh, you might chime in with your own personal experience. Oh, um, yeah, I never do that. So probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you've and you've shared it um, beautifully many times and, and honestly and um, in writing, including in our third book, Tales from Another Mother Runner. Um, before we start, though, uh, we do want to mention what a mental health professional wrote on our Facebook page when we talked about running and mental health. And she said, the evidence for exercise is very good, but as symptoms become more significant, it is likely to not be enough. It is okay to take medication if you need it. And Amen while to that, right? Yes, exactly. And and while Dimity and I are by no means medical professionals, we also want to say that if um, if the burden of depression or anxiety or any other mental illness you're carrying becomes too much for you, um, please seek medical help, including talk therapy. While going for a run or listening to this episode is a um, fine start. It is by no means the whole solution. So that said, please stay with us, and we'll pick right back up after this short break. All right, kicking off this important conversation is Sasha Wolf, a pregnant mom with a young daughter. In 2016, after her own dealings with perinatal and postnatal depression, um, as well as other mental health issues, Sasha founded Still I Run, an online group for runners for mental health awareness. Welcome to the show, Sasha. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. So start, please, by telling us how old your daughter is and when baby number two is due. <laughs> Um, so Sloan is 20 months and baby number two is due November 26. So I'll have two under two for a very brief <laughs> amount of time. Wow. No well, big deal. Having? Yes, we're having another little girl. 
Oh, nice. And do you have a name picked out or is that? Or no, that's that so hard. It's so hard to figure out. I have no idea. We have like a list of 10 names. I have a feeling it's just going to come down to the wire. Like baby comes out and they ask, hey, what's the name? Can I suggest, <laughs> can I suggest Dimity? <laughs> oh, perfect. I will put that okay, on the okay, list. Thanks. If you want to, if you want to have somebody spell their name for the rest of their lives, but have people oh, that's so unusual, then then Tiffany is where you want to go for that one. Perfect. All right, all right. So talk about yourself, um, Sasha, as a runner. Um, how, how when did you start running, and and tell us about how you're running now. Yeah, so I, um, my parents were always runners, so I kind of grew up in a running family. Um, but I didn't really take it seriously. I just kind of did it for funsies. Um, <laughs> and I didn't start actively doing it until um, 2011, um, when after I was uh, at a mental hospital for a week, they had suggested getting into a healthy habit. And I saw my severely nickel shoes and I just decided to, to pick it up. And I... <laughs> It, it worked. I have not stopped running for my mental health since 2011. And now I'm, I'm a running fiend. I'm still running. I'm, um, the plan is to run a race every month of my pregnancy. Wow. Uh, I was able to do that with Sloan and they're five Ks. There's not, they're not very long. Um, but it's, you know, I keep running. I run like four times a week still. Um, so Sasha, you mentioned your, um, your stay in the mental health hospital. Can you talk a little bit about the situation that led up to that and, and how you're doing now? Yeah, so I was actually diagnosed with depression in 2003, uh, but I didn't do anything with that diagnosis except for take the medication that was prescribed. Um, and that seemed to work okay for a while until it just didn't anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to say that the depression outgrew the medication I was on. Mm. And in 2011, I just, there was a bunch of family stuff going on and personal stuff going on. And I started having a panic attack, felt like I couldn't breathe, felt like I didn't want to exist anymore. Um, and luckily I was with a person at the time who had suggested that, you know, maybe I should check myself into Pine Rest uh, Mental Health Hospital, which is in the area. And Thankfully, I had the wherewithal to agree and ended up being there for about a week. Um, but I'm, it's one of the bravest and best and hardest decisions I've ever had to make to say, yes, I need care. I need to go to the hospital for this. Mm, yeah, I can only imagine how to, to decide that you're going to check yourself in rather than somebody else stepping in and saying, okay, you need to do this. That's, uh, we really commend that. Yeah, especially with, you know, the stigma that's attached, it's, it's feels bad enough having depression, let alone saying, hey, I had to go to the hospital for it. And, you know, people look at you funny, but um, I, I feel like if we keep talking about it, we're going to defeat that stigma eventually. And that's why I like to talk about it, share my story. That's great. I agree. A hundred percent, Sasha. Well, and so that was 2011. So here we are eight, eight years later, you have been through almost two pregnancies. Like how do you manage your depression now? Or is it, or tell us where you are now, I guess I shouldn't assume that you still have depression. Um, so I have, uh, recurring depression. So um, it never will necessarily go away. It is definitely something I manage. Um, and I have what I like to call my mental health care kit. Um, so I run for my mental health, I take medication, and I go to therapy. And those three pieces together help me 
manage my life, to make me feel like I can be a whole and complete person. Um, if one of those pieces of the mental health care kit falls, um, I, I see a, a deep dive in myself. So that's why I always make sure that I maintain my, um, my regimen of medication, talk therapy and running. Mm -hmm. And how often do you go to therapy? Um, it depends. Like if I'm going through a really rough time, uh, so with all the hormones of pregnancy, I tend to, you know, maybe go once every week. Um, but when things are better, things are more manageable, I'm feeling well, um, I'll go every other week, sometimes once a month, but I have a very good longstanding relationship with my therapist. That's great. That's great. <laughs> and do, do you, uh, I'm just suddenly encouraging me now, do, do you have, do you change your, um, medication protocol at all while you're pregnant or how do you manage that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I also have a psychiatrist. Um, he's the person that I meet with about medication. And when I am pregnant, I uh, tend to go down to the lowest dosage possible for mm -hmm. the medication that I'm on. Um, and then after I have uh, the baby, I will go back to my normal dosage. Um, but it is something that we meet every two months about just because, um, you know, we want to make sure that both the baby and myself are healthy. And mm -hmm. I did the same thing with Sloan and she has a very happy and healthy 20 month old now. Nice. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I'm going to ask a question. I plan on asking each of you three guests. Um, what is it about running that lifts your mood? Like what aspect is it? Is it the being outside the sweating that post run feeling? <laughs> um, cause I know for me, it's about being outdoors amidst nature, even living in an urban environment like Portland and it's that plus connecting with my running partner. So what is it that does it for you? So I would say all of the above, but <laughs> Also, um, for me, as, as runners, as people in the running community, we feel like everybody runs. But in actuality, not very many people do. I like none of my coworkers do, not a lot of my close friends do. So it's something that still very small population does. And if I'm able to get up every day and get in a run and you know tackle a 5K to a marathon, that just makes me feel so much stronger physically and mentally. It's such a big physical boost as well as like, yeah, I accomplished that even though there are some days where I just don't want to get out of bed or the anxiety is really getting to me. So it's definitely that sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. um, that it's so good for my mental health, knowing that I am strong and here's the proof. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I agree a hundred percent with that, by the way, I just, I love that it like, well, you know, when I used to run a lot, um, first thing in the morning, like I was like, after that, like the rest of the day can be the downhill coast that it typically is for many of us, you know, but you've started the day so high that you're not going to fall as far. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You feel like, and we say this at, at still, I run all the time. We feel like mental health running warriors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like total rock stars. That's the, I mean, that's what I <laughs> describe it. Like I almost feel like, you know, I'm Bruce Springsteen on a stage after a great performance, you know, only in my head, yes. but it, it, it has that sense of like, Oh my God, I've sweated. I've accomplished. I've got, you know, fans everywhere. Like, even if it's just, you know, me and my suburban neighborhood all by myself, it's just it brings this rush of emotion that and positivity that, you know, you can't, I, I have a hard time finding in a lot of other places. So 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's such a natural feeling when you're out there and you feel like you have the Chariots of Fire soundtrack going in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's totally. just an amazing feeling all, all around. I agree. I agree. Um, so Sasha, tell us about Still I Run, um, why you founded it and the, the focus of it um, and, and what you do with it, what, how it accomplishes your goals. Yeah, so um, once I was released from the hospital in 2011, one of the first things I did after I discovered running was good for my mental health is I really wanted to connect with other people that ran for the same reason. And I couldn't find anything. And I feel like I'm a pretty good Google person. Um, (laughs) Just I looked for a couple of years and I couldn't find anything. and, And finally, I had the realization well, if it doesn't exist, why can't I create it? Mm. Um, so kind of on a whim and after thinking of a name and figuring I could be vulnerable enough to do this, um, in 2016, I, I launched a Facebook page for it. And I was very candid about my story, um, said this is why I run. And the outpouring of support was incredible. I just thought it would be, you know, like my mom and dad liking the page. <laughs> Maybe your neighbor coerced uh, into it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so many people started reaching out, and I was like, "All right, this thing has has some traction, and it's really grown from there." So the the goal of Still I Run is to um, defeat the stigma through kind of the the conversation of running, and also to um, kind of promote the benefits of running for mental health. And then just to have a community to provide a safe place for people to talk about their their daily runs or their daily struggles or, hey, I couldn't get out of bed today. Can someone give me a motivating quote? Um, and so it's really grown into this great community on um, Facebook and Instagram. And we also have a private Facebook group where people can feel more comfortable communicating with one another. Um, and the community there is just they lift me up so much. I'm so thankful for everyone there. Um, so in addition to that community, we also, um, do like a May mental health run streak. Uh, so everybody is encouraged to kind of sign up and you get some swag and you commit to running at least one mile every day in the month of May for mental health. Um, we are also going to be launching local run chapters around the country, uh, just because, I've had so many people ask like, hey, how can I get connected to Still I Run in my community? And the answer is we don't have that yet, but we're gonna be, we're gonna be launching it. Um, and then we also kind of partner up with local businesses here in the, the Grand Rapids area to kind of educate about um, running and mental health and kind of want to start spreading more of that because as far as I know and as far as I've looked on the internet, there is no other community that um, is about running and mental health together. Mm-hmm. And just you're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And so then, um, we have similar tattoos. Um, so tell us about yours and, um, and why you got it. Yeah. So, um, I got it after my very first 20 mile training run. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, I want something that's running related. I want something mental health related. So I kind of stumbled upon Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise, and decided to change that for me to Still I Run. Um, And for the I, there's a semicolon for the semicolon project. And 
how your story's never over. Um, and then there's also an arrow underneath it that points outward. So for me, it's like when I'm running and I feel like I'm struggling, I can look down at my wrist, uh, which is where the tattoo is, and I see the arrow pointing outward. Um, and that's just a good reminder to me that, you know, the, the shot that I'm firing from my bow um, with this arrow is going straight towards the target. And, you know, sometimes that, that journey isn't very linear, but it will hit its target and I can keep going. I can keep doing it. Fantastic. Yep. I love that. And that, go ahead. Sam. Yeah. And so, and that became, that's now your, that's the logo of still I run. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the big things that held me back from starting the group. I, I could not think of a really good name. <laughs> uh, and I, I joke that like, you know, I wanted to name it runners for depression or depressed <laughs> runners. And those are both awful names. <laughs> I agree so, with that. Yes. <laughs> So Still I Run has, um, in addition to being the logo and the name, it's really become a, a rallying cry. I've heard from a couple people that when they're on a run and they're struggling, they like say to themselves over and over, Still I Run, Still I Run. And I just think that's the coolest thing. That's a really mm -hmm. nice mantra. I think you can definitely like get behind that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. and yours is on your inside wrist, which mine is as well. Yep. So I have the word light, but I have, I turn the what the I into the semicolon so similar idea um and uh because I do I love the semicolon project and what it stands for yes like it is the idea is that there's always another chapter to write um and so don't let the darks consume you right um mm -hmm. yeah it's so inside your wrist so you can always look at it right I mean I like it mine um used to when I used to do a lot of triathlons I could see it always on my tri bike because I was out in the oh yeah car, so that was kind of fun it's harder to kind of you know, you have to manipulate your wrist to see it on a run or, or, but, but it's there, right? Yeah. And it's such a good reminder. I mean, for me, at least when I'm able to look down at my wrist and I've always got it with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Sasha, you um, talked about how one of the goals of still I run is to, um, you know, really break down the stigma that's still attached to mental illness, including depression and anxiety. So do some people like look at you sideways when you tell them about this group that you started? Yeah, sometimes just because it's, you know, it's 2019, but we still don't talk about mental health. <laughs> and so when I when I get into that topic, it's almost like, oh, she's talking about religion or politics. No, I'm talking about mental health, which is just as normal as physical health. Um, so yes, I do get those sideways stares. But I think when I start talking about it, and they see the passion, um, they kind of open up a little. And then it's, it's curious, because a lot of times when I get those stares, it's that person that actually mm. ends up opening up and going, Oh, my goodness, I too deal with a mental health condition. So glad someone else is talking about it. And who knows, maybe I will have inspired them to start talking about it themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. also too, and um, I, one of the things that I feel like when I talk about it is, you know, um, on paper, everything looks great, right? You know, like, I mean, I've got a healthy family. Um, I've got a mostly healthy body. I've got a good job, you know, all this stuff. So like, it's like, wait, what, you're struggling? Like, how are you struggling? You know, um, and you expect it. I don't, I don't know what you look like, Sasha, but I think there's sometimes there is a, a stigma attached to what a depressed person looks like or what an anxious person looks like. And in fact, they can look super high functioning and quote unquote normal. 
I think. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, so when you, especially when you come out of nowhere and you're like, and yeah, (laughs) I'm dealing with this thing and I have this still I run, you know, I, I think, I mean, I think that's really healthy, right? Because then it, it breaks down those barriers and stereotypes that you might have unconsciously in your mind, right? I'm not saying that, you know, you do it, you know, um, purposefully, it just kind of happens, I think. Oh yeah, there definitely is a very unconscious bias, like where when someone admits that they have a mental health condition, you automatically have this picture in your head of like a, you know, a person that doesn't look like me. Um, So I think that's another reason why I just wanted to start talking about it so that you can see that the face of mental illness, the face of depression, anxiety can be anyone. It, It doesn't discriminate. I also want to chime in since this is an audio program. I have seen photos of Sasha when she sent them to me for our <laughs> social media. And, and I wrote back and I'm like, if, if Sasha, if you and your daughter were any cuter, I think there'd be laws about it. Like she has blonde hair. And I mean, she looks like she, you know, could have been best friends with like Veronica Mars or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or, or something. Um, so um, just, um, you know, looks kind of like, you know, upbeat and just by her physical demeanor and so you know it's not like she looks like she just you know crawled out from under a a rock with disheveled hair and you know no personal hygiene or anything like that which is what some people you know might think of someone who suffers from depression or something so totally yeah um, i'm i'm just your everyday normal person i just have a mental health condition (laughs) well can you talk a little bit about writing and how that helps your depression um uh i mean i know for me like i um sometimes just putting it on paper makes me, uh, I don't want (laughs) to, sometimes putting on paper just validates how I'm feeling finally, you know? Um, And I feel like that's so important. And I know you guys have a letter writing campaign. Can you write a little bit about that? Or can you talk a little bit about that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional, but I I mean, writing is the way that I really process it, I think. And um, I mean, I don't know if I'm unusual like that or not. You want to talk a little bit about that? I definitely process things through writing as well. And I make it a habit to, um, and this is something I learned from my therapist, I made it a habit to write in the good times and in the bad. So that when I'm in those bad moments, I can look at what I've written that was positive and that was good to remind myself that that's the reality. Mm -hmm. The depressed state that I'm in right now, that's not reality. So... Writing is huge. I I wish I had more time to write on the website, Um, but I'm so thankful that I have um, ambassadors around the country that will write about their stories. Um, And I know that writing is super important, and that's why um, I started the Run, Fight, Write letter writing program. Um, So anyone, it doesn't matter if you're a runner or not, can request a letter of encouragement from someone in the Still I Run community. And we have um, about 20 different people that have volunteered to write these letters to people that request them. Um, And they're handwritten notes. It's not an email. So like someone is actually taking a a pen to a piece of paper and putting it in an envelope and licking the envelope shut. Um, And it's just that simple gesture of getting something in the mail uh, that encourages you. And you're hearing from someone that also deals with a mental health condition that kind of just brings people together through this old school analog format. Because when's the last time that any of us have really taken the time to write a letter? Um, So there's a lot of different things going on with that program that I think are just so cool. I agree. That's really cool, Sasha. That's, I mean, I don't know how you have all the time to do it, like, you know, (laughs) but 
but um, I realize why you don't have time to write as much as you want to is because you're doing all these other awesome things. But that's getting a note in the mail, I think, can really make your day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, and I, I need to get back into the habit of writing on the website again because it's, you know, I don't want to be like the figurehead of Still I Run. I don't want to be the poster child because I think it's a community thing. But at the same time, I think it helps when you have the leader of a community actually write and share their stories as well. So I just need to find the time to get back to it. Yeah, yeah. Can you do that, please? <laughs> I will add that to my list of things. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, Sasha, I love that you described yourself as a running fiend. And uh, <laughs> and when I heard that, I was reminded of um, that on our recent Facebook post, um, we heard from so many women who run for mental health benefits, so that being injured is especially hard on them. And um, so I can imagine the same would be true of you. Um, so have you been injured or um, had to take time off during your pregnancies? Or, um, you know, if so, how did you cope with not being able to get your sweat on by running? Yeah, so uh, luckily, I've never been seriously injured And the longest I've ever had to take off was, uh, you know, recovering from giving birth to Sloan. So I know that I will have to take another six weeks coming up here. Um, but for me, I think still being able to dress up in, in all of my running gear and walk is super beneficial. I'm not getting the same, you know, amount of endorphins. I'm not getting that sweat on or anything, but it's that small little accomplishment that I'm kind of like defying everything. I'm, I'm still getting out there. Um, and I have had it where on days where, you know, I'm just too sore after giving birth that you can't go out for a walk where I will just do other methods of self-care, like binge that Netflix series I've always wanted to see or um, bake that treat that I've always wanted or I, I'm just big into self-care so if, if I ever had to be sidelined for a very long period of time um, I would definitely turn to my my other methods of you know taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. Awesome well you've given a ton of personal advice um, for people I love the writing I love the moving forward even if you can't run you know put your stuff on and go for a walk or do what you can do self-care is there anything else that you would recommend to people just that you just recommend personally um, who might be in a similar situation to you or you know dealing with their own issues I would say there are two things one is and I wish I would have told myself this so many years ago um, give yourself a little grace because we're not that hard on other people. So why are we so hard on ourselves? Um, and that's just always been super important for me to remember that with everything going on, I'm still able to, um, function. I'm still able to get outside and run And I need to celebrate those little wins. So no matter how big or small your wins are, give yourself some grace and celebrate it. Um, and then the other piece would be is to find your person, um, find someone that you can truly open up to um, and, and share with them your struggles. They can be an accountability partner almost. Um, I'm so thankful for my husband. Uh, he didn't truly understand a mental health condition until he started dating me but um, and then marrying me. And he, he gets it now because I've been so vulnerable and open with him. And he knows when I'm having those bad days and he can say, hey, I've got Sloan for 20, 30 minutes. Go out and get your run in. Go out and do what you need to do. So I think it's super important to have that person in your corner. 
That's awesome. Really good advice. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sasha, for sharing your story and, and for starting Still I'd Run. I mean, I think it's a website that our listeners will find a lot of useful um, information that will resonate with them on many levels. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for letting me share my story. I will tell my story from the rooftops if it helps to defeat the stigma and make it a little easier for someone tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Sasha. And um, good luck with those uh, once a month races throughout the rest of your pregnancy. <laughs> Thank you. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. Our next guest is Megan Jeroman, a mother of a young daughter. Megan has struggled with a one-two punch of postpartum depression and a labral tear that sidelined her from several half marathons. Thanks for joining us to talk, Megan. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Good, good. So, well, first off, uh, Tall Gals Unite. Uh, You're six feet tall. I'm 5'11". Dim is a little over 6'3". So, um, virtual high five for us tall gals. I know. (laughs) We've got to stick together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't you you integrate that into your Instagram handle? I feel like I looked at it. Yes. What is it? Yes. My Instagram is six foot fit. Six foot fit. I love that. I was like, dang it. I want that for me. (laughs) Six Six foot fit. That was great. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Uh, Yeah, I've had a couple people say they're going to start like a five foot fit. Oh, uh, nice. Or different different height. (laughs) Yes, nice, nice. So uh, let's start with what's the age of your daughter? Um, she's two and a half. Oh, nice, nice, nice. nice. And tell us a little bit about your running story. How did you start, and, and what what do you like to do? Um, so I got started probably six or seven years ago running 5Ks, um, and I really just did it um, for like weight loss and to start getting into some sort of a fitness routine. Um, I didn't exercise regularly before then, and um, so that was really my like introduction into the fitness world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, it was like a that spark that ignites, and you. Uh, I'm always I've always been a really goal-driven person and so I just had that that fire inside for more so if I could run a 5k I wanted to try a 10k and then a half marathon and then a full marathon um so I think it's just the the potential for more really is what drew me in and then it um you get that that runner's high from it and it just really um was something that made me feel good yeah, the momentum of running, once you get going, the momentum of running is pretty spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, and share with us, please, the story of your depression. Sure. Um, so, I, it's not something that I grew up with. Um, I struggled a little bit with anxiety in college. Um, I thought it was just a transition to a big school, leaving home for the first time, um, just being a little out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I was actually, um, I started to have panic attacks. uh, And it was something that I was able to manage relatively quickly and get under control. Um, So my depression really started after I had Stella, my daughter. Um, It was something that completely hit me out of nowhere because it wasn't something that I had expected. Um, I know some women experience it before or during pregnancy, and I had none of that. So it was really after she was born was when I started to experience the symptoms. Nice. And so, um, so are you still? Are you still kind of processing depression, or is that is it is it in your rearview mirror right now, or kind of talk about where it is right now, where you are right now? Um, So I was 
clinically diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, and I think that anxiety is something that will probably be with me for quite a while. Um, it's something that I have, I, I'm able to get under control, but it never really seems to fully go away. Um, the depression seems like it's getting better. Um, I started taking medication last October mm -hmm. um, and then recently working with a therapist more regularly and she helped me find ways to cope with the different um, highs and lows of depression and anxiety. And when I feel something coming on, I kind of have some um, tools in my toolbox to help with uh, the bad days. Sure. So it's not something that's completely gone, but um, I would say it's, it's managed a lot better than it was in the past. Good, good. Um, well, so you, you've blogged about how your running injury makes you confront your postpartum, made you confront your postpartum depression. So could you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that intersection? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, once I had my daughter, um, was when I started to notice just that something wasn't right. Um, I remember sitting in the hospital feeling like this, something just doesn't feel the way that I always thought it would. Um, you you hear women's stories of having their baby and just being elated with so much joy. And it was for me just this fear um, constantly. Um, we got home from the hospital and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. My heart would just race. Um, and I was just really, really sad all the time. Oh, sweetie, um, that's so hard. And it is. It's very, very difficult. And it's not a side of postpartum that I think many women talk about. So I think that I felt so alone and ashamed and like, okay, people are going to think I don't love my baby or that I, mm -hmm. that I think she was a mistake or, um, those things that you don't want to admit to thinking as a mother. Um, and so I was cleared to run at six weeks postpartum and I did, and I was so happy to finally feel like I had that little piece of myself back. Um, I've always loved structure and consistency and repeatability and with a newborn that is completely non-existent um, so to get back into some sort of structure of training um, was huge for me um, and it was like a little bit of a breakthrough so before then I um, had talked to my doctor and told her something felt off but I really hadn't officially accepted the fact that I had postpartum depression or anxiety um, so I started training and I ended up in PT, something was wrong with my um, post-tip on the right side. So I went through a lot of PT and was finally able to get back into running again. Um, the up and down of it, um, in the meantime, I had signed up for races, wasn't able to complete them. I would have to stop training for weeks at a time completely. Um, and so that was really hard mentally because it was like I had this thing that finally made me feel okay and then it was constantly taken away again. Yeah. Um, so when I started training again, I was once again, really happy, finally found like, I felt like I was getting back into, getting back to myself. Um, and then all of a sudden I was, um, I completed a 10 mile run and something didn't feel right in my um, like left groin area. Um, so I tried to just stretch, foam roll, took a couple days off. Um, and then went back into PT. So back and forth, um, working with her. Um, finally, I just kind of had enough um, of the back and forth. And so I scheduled an MRI with a sports medicine doctor. And um, she confirmed that it was a hip labral tear. Mm. Um, and that was 
the probably worst appointment of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was at that point, I, as soon as she said the words and I had done Dr. Google research, um, I knew what was coming. Yeah, I yeah. knew it was coming, but hearing her say those words just broke me. Um, I sobbed uncontrollably in her office. I feel so bad for that poor doctor. Um, she had to literally hold me upright um, because I was crying so hard. And I said, I'm so sorry. I just, I have postpartum depression and I need, I need to be able to run. This is the only thing that makes me feel okay. And that was really the first time that I had ever said those words out loud. Um, and it was almost like this injury was what I needed to finally accept that I had been using running as a crutch and it really just wasn't enough for um, my, how severe my depression and anxiety had gotten. Um, and I really needed professional help. Yeah. I mean, that is so uh, powerful and it's a tough realization, isn't it? Um, because in that post, oh, yeah. <laughs> right about, you know, and this is so true and so accurate. And I just feel like so many women have gotten, or people I should say, but I think women in particular have gotten themselves in this situation. You wrote that if you only find, or I'm sorry, if you only allow yourself to find happiness from one main source, it can be very detrimental to your mental health if it's taken away. Right. Yep. Is what yep. Absolutely. So many of us mm-hmm. are like, Oh, when I can run, I'm good. Right. And then all of a sudden you can't yep. run. And the, that translates to I'm not good. Right. So Kind of yep. what did yep. you do to kind of mitigate that, you know, that black and whiteness of an injury? Um, so I've worked with a therapist, like I said, um, and I think the biggest thing was recognizing that I was catastrophizing a lot of situations. So um, what had happened in the past or what might happen in the future, um, if I went through another um, injury that sidelined me from running, I would think in my mind, I'm never going to be able to run again. Sure. Um, instead of just accepting, okay, this sucks. I'm not going to be able to run for a couple weeks or a couple months, but there are other things I can do in the meantime. Um, so I think just kind of accepting it and realizing what I was doing in my mind was huge for me. Um, and focusing on mindfulness and gratitude and positive thinking, and just to really bring me into the moment, um, she recommended that I started journaling, which was very foreign to me, not something that I would have normally done on my own, Um, but just write down. um, So it's called glad journaling. So every day you write down three things you were grateful for, three things you learned, um, three things you, three affirmations, um, and three things that brought you delight that day. Um, And it just kind of focused it forces you to think more positively about what's going on. So I couldn't run, but what were other really good things that happened today? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really big for me. That is so great. Do you, do you, is that still a practice you do? It is. Yeah. Um, I try to keep consistent with it and do it every night. Mm-hmm. Um, but life sometimes gets in the way, but sure. um, I found doing it consistently really helps bring me to the present. I, that's, I remember, it brings me back to that podcast we did with Kristen Armstrong, Sarah, where she was talking about her journaling and it's, it was different. I mean, but she wrote 10 things that she was grateful for every morning. And she said, you know, I haven't had a bad day since I started doing that. Of course, you know, you're going to have speed bumps and stuff, but it's not that like complete, like utter, like 
oh my gosh, why do I even exist feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right, absolutely, yeah. That's such a, I mean, I think that's so powerful. So, I mean, if anybody's listening and is like, oh, maybe I should give it a go, I highly encourage you to, because, um, you know, I've stopped and started it and stopped and started it. And I'm, but the days when I get a nice streak going, I can see a difference, you know, I can see a difference in myself and how I approach things and what I'm grateful for. And um, I just, it's, it's a lovely tool and it's easy and it's mm-hmm. free, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Even if it's just when when she when I first started, she said even if it's just like a sip of coffee in the morning, things that just make you happy, a meal that you liked, yeah, um, anything. It can be as simple as that. That's the thing is, I think you think I think sometimes I think I need to be like, oh, and we are you know closer to peace in Syria or whatever. I mean, that's a weird example, right. but you know what I'm saying? Like something that's like global and really like profound, yeah. you know? And it's like, no, it's just, right. Yeah. I love my coffee every single morning. I look forward to that, that lovely right. latte, you know, like that's, that's enough. And yep. that can be the first thing for the whole month or the whole year. doesn't right. matter. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, well, Megan, from Instagram, it looks like you're back running. Um, so how are you handling the return to running, particularly given uh, the, the fits and starts it's before? It's been good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, ran a half marathon in the spring. And right after that, I ran another race, a uh, five-mile race, um, with Still I Run, actually, shortly after. And um, something just wasn't right in my hip again. So it's just kind of been that back and forth. But I will say this time it, and I, my close friends and husband have noticed a huge difference in me, just that focusing on positivity and what can I do instead has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I've started up again. And I think also just the expectation is different now. I know that it's something that might never go away until I have surgery. Um, So just kind of accepting it and figuring out what I can do to continue to stay happy, even if I can't run again next week. So Mm -hmm. just being grateful for the time I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to focus on the positive, I do want to point out that, you know, we have women in in the another mother runner community who have had great success with um, having labral tears fixed via Mm -hmm. surgery. Um, Dim, obviously I'm thinking about Kate in in Iowa, um, who has run two or is it three ultras since um, having her labral tear fixed and to me, it doesn't seem like it was all that long ago. Maybe it was two, two years ago. Uh, I um, think it's like pregnancy. It doesn't seem long ago unless you're in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, right. like, oh, you were seven months already. Like, I've lived every day of these seven months. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I do. I just want to say, you know, that, um, you know, um, I don't know. Give you optimism. Point out the positivity of of um, of post-surgical life after uh, such right. an injury. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I might know the answer to this from um, some things you've said already, but I'm asking this question to every guest. What is it about running that lifts your mood? What aspect of it is it? Uh, um, I think it's just one of those things that I, I just feel so free when I'm doing it. Um, and almost like, it's like a therapy for me. So I, have talked to people about this before, even my husband. So he um, has run a couple half marathons, um, but he doesn't love the long run. And for me, that is just like my absolute favorite thing to do. Um, And he's like, well, what do you think about when you're out there for hours? And I said, I don't know, nothing. (laughs) Sometimes my mind is just a complete blank. And that I think that sometimes is the best part about it. If you are a highly anxious person, you're always thinking about 
everything, <laughs> what you did that you should have done differently, what you're going to do um, in the future. And so for me, running is just a way to be right here, right now. I just think about what I'm doing in that moment. Um, and it just completely clears my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's such a good way to describe it, you know, and in your motion too, I think that forwardness along with clearing your mind, you know, because I think that's hard to really, um, if you're an anxious person, you know, meditation sounds lovely. Sitting still sounds like hell, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I know meditation is sitting still, but you know, I mean, I, I try and I do my best there, but I can do it in 10 minute segments or 15 or 20. I couldn't do it for, you know, a long, long time. The way that a long run is just so cleansing and emptying, right? Yep. Yeah. Same with me. I've tried to meditate, but I, it's not something that I can do consistently because I, I do, I need to be moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so, um, so postpartum depression, um, let's go back to that for a second. Um, and you talked about how you were feeling and, and I realize it can have all different shades and sheens to, you know, it's not just one set of, um, symptoms, but if, if you, mm-hmm. someone's listening and they think that they might have postpartum depression, what kind of advice do you have for them, Megan? Um, oh gosh, I would say it's so hard because looking back, there were people who tried to tell me little things like, just don't worry because the first like six months are usually the hardest. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I'm two weeks in and I can barely see an hour in front of me. I don't know how I'm going to make it six months from now. Um, but I would say just asking for help from anyone, um, talking to your doctor, talking to a healthcare professional, um, accepting that, that there's something going on and realizing that you are absolutely not alone and it's okay to talk to someone um, and that it's very, very normal to experience the things that you are experiencing. Um, and like I said, it doesn't feel like it when you're just in those dark depths of it. And I've, I've written before, it's like you have to claw your way out of it and you have to fight every single day just to get out of bed, just to put one foot in front of the other. Um, nothing else matters other than taking care of yourself. Because if you don't do that, then you can't take care of your family, um, especially as a mom. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, very, very true, very true. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Megan. And uh, we wish you uh, continued success on your road back to running. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me share my story. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Megan. Our third and final guest is Carrie DeLongpre. She is a mom of three daughters. She's married to a member of the armed forces. Um, Carrie suffers from depression and anxiety. And like our last guest, Megan is an ambassador for Still I Run. Thanks for coming on and talking with us, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Good, good. So um, how old are your daughters? So I have a just-turned-eight-year-old, a Mm -hmm. five-and-a-half-year-old, and and an almost-two-year-old that keep me very busy. Wow, this is like the Moms with Young Girls episode. (laughs) Not a son in the mix, right? Yeah, that is true. I I hadn't thought of that. I love having my little girl gang. I call them my girl gang. I just love it. That's awesome. I'm All one three of, girls. I'm I'm one of three girls, Carrie, and I I can vouch for it. It's it gets a little rough during the teenage years. I won't lie, but um, but it's very nice um when you become adults and have a lot of sheer. I'm so glad that they're going to have each other. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about your running, Carrie. Where where and when did you start? So I started running about 10 years ago. Um, 
my husband, who is active duty, was actually deployed, and I decided that I needed something, like a goal for myself. Um, I was working full-time, I was going to grad school, but, you know, I needed to throw something else into the mix, and I'm like, (laughs) why don't I run a 5K by the time he's halfway done with his deployment? So I didn't know really what I was doing, I just kind of started running. Um, and I fell in love with it and it was fun to set a goal and work towards the goal and then accomplish the goal. And so I've been running ever since, um, I had to take a couple little breaks during pregnancies. Um, but then I, it was fun to start right back up when I was cleared to start running again. So yeah, so 10 years, but I kind of call myself a, I'm a back of the pack runner, but Mm-hmm. I back of the pack runners. There. Yeah, and no, no buts about it. That you, that is where you are running. But and you are a runner, so yep. um, yeah, yes. I'm, cross I'm proud to be line. back there. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Cross the same starting line and finish line as everybody else. So you know, I do. I, I just get a little bit more bang for my buck. So. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you maximize the aid stations. We like it. We like I do. I do. Um, cool. And talk a little bit about your mental health. Um, where are you right now? And kind of give us a little background there. Um, so I was officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression in um, 2016. So just three years ago. Um, but looking back, I suffered from postpartum depression and anxiety since my first daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of just powered through it and um, didn't really want to admit that that's what I was dealing with. And then in 2016, um, I I wish I could tell you what happened, and I I don't know, but it just kind of hit me. So my middle child would have been just about two, and it hit me hard. And I suffered more from the anxiety side of it. Um, which led to panic attacks. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had frequent, frequent panic attacks. And the biggest one led me to an ER visit because I I thought I was having a heart attack and dying. And then I was officially diagnosed after that. Wow. Uh, So now I'm thankfully in a good place um, with the help of medication and running and um, an awesome tribe. And... um, yeah, so I've, I've come a long way in those three years, but um, so kind of a little bit different for me. So I think I had it for quite a long time, but just didn't want to admit that I needed the help. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And if it's okay if I ask, I'm just curious, where were you when you had your panic attacks? Like, were you in public or were you at home or in the car? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, it actually was mainly at home. Um, I would be alone, like with my children, my husband would be at work. I'm very blessed to be able to stay at home. Um, and the fear and the anxiety would just overcome me. And I would have to basically just lay down on the ground and kind of ride it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but then in the back of my mind, I knew like I was responsible for these, these two small children. you're like, I can't just not be functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I would have to reach out to a neighbor or, um, at a very particular bad time, my husband had to come home from work. And that's, um, that's when we knew that something needed to change and that, you know, I needed to get help. Sure. Um, so out in public, 
I feel like I was able to rein it in a little bit more, but I think it's because there was people around. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew if, you know, like I got into that panic state that surely somebody would help me or help my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it for me came down to like, what's going to, what's going to happen to my kids if I'm in this state or if, or if heaven forbid, like I pass out from my panic attack or something like that. Um, and again, so I think in public, I was able to kind of control it a little bit more because there was people around and people, people made me feel safe. Sure. Well, and I I would think it would kind of feed on itself that then, then you're having this panic attack and then you start having anxiety about, well, what would happen to my kids? So, Oh, it'd be a spiral. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So for, for sure. So the panic attacks were definitely fueled by that anxiety of, well, when's the next panic attack going to happen? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, what if yeah. it's not when I'm at home, you know, or what if it's not when I'm out in public and I can, you know, reach out for help? Um, and it was, it was a really low few months. Um, mm. But, th- you know, thankfully, um, like I said, I went and got help and I had an awesome medical team and started some therapy, some talk therapy, um, and have, and I have the most amazing mother who came out and took care of my family for two weeks. So I could focus on me and just being Carrie and not being Carrie, the caretaker all the time. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. Well, Well, and I, I, a quick question, and if I'm just curious, mm-hmm. and I hope this doesn't come across as ignorant, but is it, I mean, your husband is deployed a lot, isn't he? Or I, I read that he, in one post that he was deployed. I mean, that's got to be also, I mean, I know it would, for me, it would bring on some anxiety for sure. It it definitely does. Um, we have done back-to-back deployments. He was deployed last year for four and a half to five months, and he just got home from a seven-month deployment. Um, and the first deployment last year was a little bit more challenging with my anxiety because my littlest had just turned one. Um, so I was still kind of dealing with the not so good sleep. I was, uh, weaning from breastfeeding, which can definitely increase anxiety with like the change in hormones. Sure. Um, but I'm so grateful. I have this amazing tribe of other women um, that I was very honest about and that know my struggles with anxiety and they were, they were my constant. So I would check in with them, um, at night before I went to bed and in the morning when I got up. Um, so, you know, they knew I was up and going for the morning, which means I was there taking care of my children. Cause again, for me, my anxiety really stems on what would happen to my kids if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So, with no family, like in the immediate area, like what would happen to them? My husband's across the world. Um, like who would take care of them? So checking in with my girlfriends really like made me relax a little bit and know that if they didn't hear from me by say like eight o'clock, somebody would be coming over to check on me and the kids. Um, that is so great. So, that must've been so, so great. Yeah. So great. And my husband from across the world was still my constant and my rock and, you know, pushing me to get the help when I needed it, when he was gone. Um, and it's, it's really hard because like, you want to be really strong for them too. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're doing a tough job, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't, 
you don't want to put more stress on them. But he he needed to know too what was going on. So of at one course. point, I did need to go in and up, um, increase the dose of my medication. And he thankfully was like, I think it's time to go talk to your doctor again. You know, maybe mm. we can get a little bit more help. Um, and he did, and it worked, and it was great. Um, so yeah, it's just, I think I've come to the point where it's like this open communication about what I need, but that's really hard to get to that point, right? Mm. You know, like we're so, I feel like we're so strong as women and as mothers that we don't want to admit that we need that help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it circles back also to, you know, the whole purpose of still I run is the Mm -hmm. breaking down that stigma and having conversations and, and, um, you know, whether they're on a micro level, like with you and your husband or you and your girlfriends or on, you know, a, a macro level with just in the society and, and the country at large or the world at large. So, um, so the, thank you. The, the still I run community, I can, I just have to say that it is the most transparent and judge a less non-judgmental community that I have ever been a part of. I mean, we all know how social media can get, but this little tiny blip on, you know, like on social media, it's just, it's such a safe space to hold, just to hold space with other people. Um, and it's, it's just been amazing. It's, it's been amazing to like read the stories that people feel that they can, that they can tell a complete stranger and know that they're going to get no backlash, you know, that mm-hmm. we all know where or, or we can all feel where they're coming from, that their feeling is valid, um, and that we're there to hold space with them. Even mm-hmm. if it's just a, I understand, I'm holding space with you. You know, not advice, just holding space. I love that phrase. I've never actually heard that phrase before. Oh, holding, holding, space. Space is, holding space is kind of a neat thing. It's, it's just that you're, you know, like acknowledging that the person's feeling is valid, um, but that you don't have to give advice or even really speak that you can just listen, just listen to them and hold that, that, that space open for them to communicate what they need to communicate, or maybe not communicate anything at all, you know, just be there Mm -hmm. with them, like in that space. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing that you can do that, like not physically together, like this online Mm -hmm. community can do that for each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And it's wonderful. You can put those thoughts into words. So thank you, Carrie. Um, Oh yeah, no problem. So um, a little change of change of uh, directive back to running. You know, yes. what is it? What is it about running that lifts your mood and eases your anxiety? You know, I think the running for me is all about progress. Mm. Um, when I couldn't like find, or I couldn't feel like I was making progress as like an individual with my mental health, I knew that I could make progress out on the concrete running. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that was just like seeing the progress of like running a block around my neighborhood, I'm like, Oh, like I was going forward. Like I'm making progress right now. Um, and I, like I said, I didn't always find that when I was like dealing with my mental health, like, am I actually like, you know, getting a little bit better? Like, am I, am I having better days? But if I strapped on my shoes and went running, there was, there was progress being made. Right. And Mm -hmm. that progress was in distance but it was still progress. And I like mm-hmm. to see that, um, mm-hmm. that, that the progression of movement and, um, you know, the, the start and the end. So, um, and it was just like this space for me. Um, and I don't, I'm sure other moms 
feel that too. Like you don't have a lot of me time, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the running for me was just, it, w- it was for me. It wasn't for anybody else. You know, I'm not chasing a Boston qualifying time um, or anything like that. So every time I went running, it was for me. Like I could do what I wanted to do. If I wanted, you know, to try to beat a personal best, great. If I just wanted to just run to feel grounded and to connect with my like connect my feet to the ground like it sounds so silly but that for me that really made me feel like I was I was a a part of this world right like Mm -hmm. just grounded um and so yeah I just it's a space for me just to be and I don't have to talk to anybody if I don't want to Mm -hmm. and my mind can just do nothing Mm -hmm. and for me with anxiety my my mind goes a lot, um, just constant. But when I run, it's just, it's, it's kind of blank and it's kind of lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me when I used to have good runs, like, and I realized now that they might've been, um, it's before I had kids, but so I didn't really, I hadn't really like figured out where I was mentally, but I always just used to feel mm-hmm. like I was helping the earth turn its access. You know, I'm like each step I'm yeah. a little bit faster, you know, like, which is so, you know, obviously delusional, but it was like that, that grounded feeling like, look at me, I am on the earth and I'm, and I'm helping it, you know, like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm like my power is helping it. Um, which I, I just, I can vividly remember doing that in Santa Fe so many times. And I, and, um, I don't know, you, you just saying that, Carrie makes me just bring that back. And, and so that's a lovely image that I, that grounded feeling that being part of the earth. It, it really does. Like it just makes you feel like you belong and that, you know, like your being, your being there is like, you're supposed to be there. Right. Like you just, mm-hmm. I don't know, feel connected. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, so we've talked a little bit about how, how, you know, when, when things are bad, they're bad. Right. And it's, it, feel mm-hmm. pretty crappy but you also wrote this lovely post about um it's okay to be okay and um and we really sarah and i both really appreciated that um like unspool that post a little bit and, and why you wrote it you know i wrote it because we're the phrase you know like it's okay to not be okay is all over the place you know and it's totally valid like it's okay to not be okay but I think sometimes when you suffer from depression and anxiety that you forget that it's okay to be okay. It's okay to be happy and to be enjoying like the moments. Um, and sometimes I would find myself just like sitting out on my patio with my girls, like on our Adirondacks and just enjoying like being with them, you know, like the giggles and them blowing bubbles and things like that. And then this little like dark spot in my mind would be like, but, but why, why is it okay for you to be okay right now? Like, shouldn't you be worrying about something, you know? And I just, I wanted people to know that, like, when you're on, when you're, like, on the peaks and stuff, it's okay to be there, and it's okay to enjoy it, you know? Like, it, yeah. we as humans, you know, like, we, we want that, and we're striving for that, but I think sometimes when you have, like, the, the mental illness, it's, it, it brings you down and be like, no, like you don't deserve that. Um, so I just wanted to remind people that, you know, like we, we can enjoy those good times and it's okay to be okay and like ride it. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, unfortunately- yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Dimity often, um, talks when we give, t- um, 
you know, talks at a race expo or something that, you know, a race always has peaks and valleys. Yep. And um, so that, you know, it's like when you're in that valley, remind yourself it's not going to always be that way. And when you're on the peak, you know, just, okay, maybe there's a valley coming up, but right now I'm on this peak. And so let's, let's ride it. Let's enjoy it and um, kind of look at it and polish it and make it, you know, marvel in its beauty. For sure. For sure. And I, I try, I try to, to tell people like, it doesn't have to be those big moments, right? Like I think sometimes I personally get hung up on that. Like what are the big things coming up that is going to keep me in the okay, I'm okay kind of thing. But there's all those little tiny, like, not extraordinary moments that can, you know, like spark the okayness too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think sometimes we, we forget about that, you know, that it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like the big trip or the big race or whatever, that it can mm-hmm. just, you know, like be feeling okay with like your family or, you know, on a walk with your, you know, your kids or something like that. And I get hung up on that. So I really try like, like my story about just sitting outside with my kids. I'm like, that's a, that's an extraordinary moment in itself. And me feeling great in that moment makes it like that much more extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being able to have that perspective is very, very valuable. Um, well, Carrie, thank you so much for um, sharing a bit of your life and, and details about your anxiety with us. It was um, eye-opening and really great to talk to you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share my story. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Take care. Karen. Good luck. Thanks. You too. Well, I just have to say, I am so glad Sasha actually approached us to um, feature her and some of her ambassadors on the on the podcast. And I'm just so grateful for her for doing that because I've, it's been a topic that I've wanted us to cover for quite a long time. And I just thought the slices of life of three, you know, out there doing it moms. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The girl game, like done times three. I love it. Yes. Yes. Um, So Dim, what you got going on in that train, like a mother club? Well, speaking of girl gangs, um, this is from Jan. She is in the 26.2 Go the Distance program. Um, okay. So she wrote on Facebook. She said, um, so I'm five weeks in and it's about time I stopped lurking and posted. <laughs> I'm 53. I've done four half marathons in the past couple of years and have my eye on a marathon, but I haven't signed up yet. Five weeks in and I'm still not sure I can do this. I haven't even told my husband yet. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> then she says, anyway, I love this program. I feel strong and you are all an awesome group of women. And literally, you know, talking about great tribes and just, you know, having, you know, she's got over 10 comments of people being like, so glad you're here. You know, you don't have to lurk. You can do it. You know, um, you are a runner, you know, Christine says, what makes you not sure? I thought you would never be a runner. And then, or I thought I would never be a runner. And then I went on to finish ultras. If you want it, that is the majority of the battle. So anyway, very cool. So just fun to see, um, different people coming in at different stages. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So I wanted to, um, I hope this doesn't sound crass, but, um, Wanted to talk about our Rancho La Puerta retreat for a little bit. Um, we know it can really do wonders for recharging batteries and taking that all-important me time. So oh, I thought it um, like kind of self-care sick. to like the nth degree. I mean, it really is. It is. It's one of the many perks of our job, Dimity, but it is really a cherry on top perk uh, that we get to go. Um, we are going to be in Rancho La Puerta, which is an amazing um 
health spa and resort. It's renowned. Uh, we're going to be down there February 8th through 12th, 2020. It's going to be you, me, and our director of marketing, Katie, who is just a fabulous person. There are amazing classes. Just uh, There's like 50 classes a day that you can choose from as part of the retreat and part of being a guest at Rancho La Puerta. And then uh, this year, or for the next one we're including, uh, there'll be a class that's one per day. They'll be only for Mother Runner retreaters. Um, and I know, Dimity, you have a hand in choosing those. And Woo-hoo. you always have uh, the, strip the, strip- <laughs> the strip tease was the best. Uh, we kept our clothes on, but uh, <laughs> we're all there in was, spirit. I'll make yes. it in spirit. <laughs> yes, yes. And incredible spa services and the food, the food. Oh, my goodness. As much as you can eat. And oh, my gosh, I can taste that Mexican hot chocolate at breakfast right now. Um, and there are guided runs on the beautiful p- property. Um, it's all inclusive, although air fair is separate and um the retreat even includes a 50 minute massage and a cooking class oh my gosh so fun we didn't get to do that last year it is yeah. it is so much fun and oh my gosh i'm pro- right next to that garden yes with, the, this is coming from oh. someone who does not like to cook like I, I will take like the kale salad chopping but uh but it's a very fun experience <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for yeah. all the details head to anothermotherrunner.com and click on the events tab in the top navigation and um, you can find the rancho la puerta retreat from that menu Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Many, many happy miles for mental health and all the other good reasons. Mm-hmm.